great episode of Stick Like Blue Radio. I'm your host, Tim Palmer, dream business coach, and this is the podcast to learn how to create your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. I'm the founder and creator of the Dream Business Academy and the Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. I coach entrepreneurs and small business owners at all levels how to build a business of their dreams so they too can live their dream lifestyle. Today's episode is sponsored by Dream Business Academy. That is a three-day live event. Our next one, which will be our seventh, taking place in Providence, Rhode Island, September 27th, 28th, and 29th, right on the water. It's beautiful. This is a uh, marketing and business building event. Unlike any other, you're going to learn how to create a million-dollar platform. It's exactly how I've created so many uh, online six-figure businesses and uh, my coaching program. So I teach it all to you. You can learn more at dreambizacademy.com, dreambizacademy.com. Right now we have early registration discounts. And also, if you register and use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you can get $100 off even early registration. Again, that's dreambizacademy.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST for $100 off your registration. I'm really excited about this week's show. My special guest is an entrepreneur and business broker who specializes in the online space, which is exciting to me. Let me introduce uh, Mark to you. And um, Mark Dowse, you know, Mark, I- I'm going to – I have to jump right in. I forgot to ask you how you pronounce your name. Is it Dowse? Because I want to do it correctly. It is Dowse. Yep, it's Dowse. It's Absolutely. Dowse. And we roll, so I'm just we're just gonna roll right on. That's how I do it. But doggone it, this is my like I think my sixth interview today, and I would get a little out of sequence. So anyway, Mark Dowse is an entrepreneur who loves to help fellow entrepreneurs sell their online businesses. As the founder of Quiet Quiet Light Brokerage, Mark's firm has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs maximize the value of their e-commerce and uh, content-based businesses and successfully exit to the to the waters, to the mountains, to the beach, wherever wherever they want to go. Mark is a sought-after speaker at various conferences. He's a regular contributor to Entrepreneur. He's been featured in Inc., Forbes, Huffington Post, and others. I'm just really excited about this topic because, Mark, I'm 59. I've got several online business, so maybe you and I will uh, will end up talking on a different day. So who knows? But thanks for being <laughs> on my program. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to talk about it. You know, I've interviewed some other folks, uh, I think about six months ago, who were uh, basic business brokers, but you have a specialty in the online space, so I'm curious how uh, how did that come about? Sure. Well, well my background uh, before I started Quiet Light Brokerage was as an entrepreneur, starting and running online businesses myself. Uh, and it was a little over 10 years ago, uh, I had an online publication called Site Reference, where we talk about um, how to be a successful online entrepreneur uh, and what elements are necessary to create a successful uh, web-based businesses. Uh, topics like search engine optimization and marketing, uh, but also expanding into coding and then general business issues such as taxes, uh, because a lot of online entrepreneurs uh, don't think about some of the more uh, traditional uh, business activities that you have to engage in. So we covered a lot of those topics uh, in that uh, in that site, and um, after just a few years of running that, you know, I built that up to uh, 220,000 subscribers. After a few years of running that, I, I developed shiny penny syndrome and thought I should do something different, uh, and decided to sell it. Uh, so I, I hired a broker, uh, and realized that um, while they they knew a lot about uh, M and A and the M and A process, 
they didn't really know a whole lot about what makes an internet business specifically valuable, right? They didn't know the the, uh, the, the metrics that they should be looking at for an internet-based business. They didn't know uh, how to determine um, search rankings, whether or not they were reliable, uh, things like that. And I thought, um, again, famous last words for any entrepreneur, uh, how hard could it be to sell someone's business? I also saw them taking a commission and thought, wow, I put in years of work and these guys get to take 10%. How great is that? Um, but obviously it's <laughs> a little more harder when you get into it. Um, as uh, I found out in the early years of Quiet Life Brokerage. Um, but yeah, so I started uh, about a year after I sold Set Reference. A good friend of mine who owned a web plus company uh, decided that he was going to exit that company and asked if I would help him sell it. And we used that to launch Quiet Life Brokerage. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of people specializing in this at the time. Uh, and so it, it was a little easier to attract clients initially. Um, and uh, our first year, I, you know, I don't know how many uh, clients we, we helped in that first year, but uh, we were able to, to get the ball rolling. And it's been 10 years since. We've done over $100 million in acquisitions on behalf of our clients and over 600 deals. And now we have a, a, a small staff of entrepreneurs who have a similar background to myself uh, who uh, work as brokers. That's really a that's a great story, man. That's a that's a, in just ten years. That's that's very impressive to me. I mean, I don't know how many people are doing that, but that's pretty impressive that you that you focus just on that niche. You know, um, I don't know the time frame. I've been in business about seventeen years, but probably ten years ago, or maybe a little bit longer, I approached a bank to help me just um, get some sort of debt consolidation from funding my early years on credit cards and whatnot. And I had I had created a little bit of a track record. But the banker, who kind of looked like he came off of Father Knows Best, you know, he says, what kind of assets do you have? I mean, what kind of equipment do you have? And what kind of this? I have nothing, man. It's me. I'm doing it. But look at my track record. And they, you know, obviously they didn't loan me the money, which was just fine. I get free today, so I worked it out. But, I mean, most people, especially in kind of regular banks, and I don't know what it's like in the M&A world in general, but they don't understand the online world. Is, is that kind of why you're doing so well? Yeah, I think that's exactly uh, right. And the the specialization of having somebody uh, help you through the exit process who knows the online world, both from the buy side and the sell side, is, is really crucial. Uh, I tell people all the time, buying and selling uh, an online business, it's a riskier asset because you don't have those physical assets, right? If you if you buy a restaurant and it fails, you still have equipment that you can sell in real estate. And, you know, that's, that's the downside to an online business. You don't have that physical um, asset that you can sell. The upside is the lifestyle, um, the the ability to, to run these businesses with very little physical infrastructure and, and very little staff. And so it, it's a very appealing acquisition for a lot of uh, investors. But you have to know what you're looking for. You have to know what constitutes a stable online business versus uh, one that's just going to go poof and gone <laughs> within a few months after buying the business. And, and that happens, by the way. I mean, uh, fortunately, not with a lot of our listings, but um, I've bought and sold in the past. I've, I've lost in the past uh, because it, sometimes it's difficult to, to know what is going to go uh, poof and gone. Um, so it's important to, to have uh, somebody who, who can get in there, take a look at a business and see, is this thing stable? Is it going to survive uh, in the future uh, and, and help through that process? I mean, that is, I, I would think, in, in all fairness to the father knows best era bankers that that is a little bit hard to know sometimes with um online businesses i guess there's different models but you know i typically think of membership models there's x number of people you know with a recurring revenue stream and 
I mean, those most of those models, unless I'm mistaken, please point it out to me. Most of those models don't have contracts. They're not staying for a certain period of time. It's kind of, you know, if you're finding value, you're staying. But is, is that where some of the challenge comes in? I mean, how do you prove that, you know, at what point do you, are you able to prove stability to an interested buyer? Sure. Well, I think it depends a bit on the model itself. But in the example that you bring up here of, say, a content and subscription-based business, absolutely, there's going to be some metrics that we're looking at. We're going to look at the lifetime value of a client, how much are they paying over the entire lifetime that that client stays uh, with you, what's your monthly recurring revenue. So are you compacting all of that value up front, um, or is there a nice uh, MRR? Take a look at the cost of acquisition to see if it's uh, is actually profitable. And you can take a look at this over some history. And this is this is a, a big uh, area that we look at would be the history. Uh, and look to see whether or not that's that's sustainable. Uh, I think having some basic knowledge of uh the the what constitutes um, uh, a, a sustainable trend versus a fad online in terms of marketing or sustainable traffic uh, is important. And then also being around long enough to see some of the changes. Uh, you know, if you look at just the history of the Internet over the past 10 years, there have been some things that people thought were extremely stable that, that turned out not to be. Uh, for example, um, Google. Uh, having natural rankings in Google used to be uh, something that everyone would come uh, to us and say, hey, we've got great rankings. This makes our site really valuable. Well, then Panda and Penguin happened, and a lot of these, these people lost their rankings overnight. And what what we learned, what everyone learned from that, is that you need to have some stability in your traffic and not just rely on one one, uh, one site for all of your inbound traffic. I don't want to get too into the weeds here on that, but um, being able to, to uh, assess and have some familiar with the with the uh, internet realm and what constitutes a fad versus uh, sustainable uh, business model is, is crucial. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about valuations and exit planning. Uh, I've heard the term anywhere from a minimum of three years, but more than likely five years, you should be doing, you know, you should be strategically planning at least five years out. Is that, do you find that true with Internet businesses as well as, you know, kind of brick-and-mortar type businesses? I think it's less with Internet-based businesses. I typically advise people 12 to 18 months uh, is really what you need, unless you have something with your business that's so significant that you need to make uh, major changes to, to how you're doing your business. But most changes you can make over the course of 12 to 18 months uh, in order to get positioned um, uh, for sale. Okay. You know, with a lot of small businesses, um, you you obviously set your books up and, and run your business a certain way, of course, all above board, but, you know, basically to minimize your profits so, so you can minimize your tax burden. Is that is that a downside when you're selling? If somebody looks at your bottom line, or have you found it, it easy to explain? I guess if if they have an entrepreneurial mindset to begin with, they sort of understand where where rent and sure. you know some some of the other stuff is is uh, kind of buried in the books, so to speak. Sure, I know. No, that's a great question. Um, yeah, yeah. Most buyers do understand that because most buyers are entrepreneurs, and most buyers have done the exact same thing. Uh, but there has to be a certain level of transparency there. Uh, when we do evaluation on a business, what we look at is a number called owner's discretionary earnings. And so we're going to look at things like rent or your travel and, and uh, the car that you're expensing. If you have an Internet-based business, you probably don't need a car uh, on the company books, right? And we, we get where that comes in, or depreciation and amortization. Um, what we want to be able to provide a buyer is uh, a number 
so that they can understand what does my uh, ROI look like in this business if I were to, to own it. There's a bunch of discretionary expenses that you, you're going to uh, interject to reduce your tax burden. That's not what somebody's really worried about. Somebody's really worried about what's going to, what was my return on investment on this acquisition. Hmm. When you're talking about valuations, again, I'm probably asking questions which go all over the place, but on average, what's, how often um, – what, what's a reasonable expectation of ROI? A couple of years out, five years out, or, or does it just depend on the on the cash flow? It depends on the type of business, depends on the cash flow as well. Um, but I'd say most investors are looking to get paid back on their initial investment within a two to four year period. So you you often see multiples kind of hovering around that three times discretionary earnings. Now, if you're in a, a software as a service type business, those numbers tend to be a little bit higher. Uh, if you're uh, in another type of business, you know, some traditional e-commerce businesses might get a little bit lower uh, sort of multiples. And, and these, you know, this is a very multiple-driven industry when you're talking about uh, valuations. It's not a complex approach. Pretty much everybody uses this earnings multiplier approach. Uh, to valuations. Um, the multiplier, uh, again, will change based off the type of business and also a lot of the subjective qualities, but also based on the economy as well. Uh, when I started um, Quiet Light Brokerage, getting five times earnings for any business was kind of standard. Uh, during the Great Recession, when uh, all the banks failed, uh, being able to get uh, a multiple of, say, two and a half times your annual earnings was extremely difficult. Uh, and now we're, we're creeping back up. So there's a lot of things that, that influence that, uh, that, that valuation multiple. Hmm. So, uh, doing a little bit of uh, preparation for the interview, what what is Amazon FBA based valuation? That that's a new one on me. Amazon FBA. Um, yeah. Well, Amazon FBA is uh, fulfilled by Amazon. So instead of just having a website um, on your own, customer comes to your website, buys a product from your website, and then you ship it out. Amazon FBA allows you to get your uh, product on Amazon, and you store your product with Amazon as well, and then they fulfill the order. Uh, this is absolutely exploding in the e-commerce space. Um, it, it makes sense, frankly, for uh, pretty much every e-commerce, almost all e-commerce businesses to have some sort of Amazon uh, presence. And a lot of people are building their entire companies uh, on uh, FBA, uh, Amazon Fulfillment. Um, as a result, we're seeing a lot more FBA businesses come up for sale uh, as well. Uh, people that have been doing this now for three, four years and uh, looking to, to get out. So uh, yeah, Amazon FBA uh, valuations, um, I think you'll see just in this in our little industry um, on its own, it's, it's definitely growing quite rapidly. When At one point as an entrepreneur, other than somebody who says, you know what, I'm done with this, I've lost interest, get me out, at what point? Should it make sense for an entrepreneur to think about selling versus just keeping their business, even if they were to bring in like you know a, a CEO or C, or COO or something like that? How do how do you figure out you know when it makes sense to sell versus hanging on to it longer and selling later? Well, great great question, and the answer that I give to this uh, people usually find surprising because um, if everyone took my advice, I probably wouldn't have a business. But I would say actually. It usually doesn't make sense to sell, <laughs> um, and, and it should be this way. Uh, if you think about it, and I, I uh, gave a talk recently 
where uh, I had this entire point on there that financially speaking, it doesn't really make sense to sell. And if you're trying to think about an economy where it was different, where it made more financial sense to sell your business than to buy, no one, no one would ever want to buy. Um, there has to be a positive financial gain in order to buy a business. Uh, what you see from people who are selling their business is some sort of landscape shift in another way, right? It's not the financial driving factor that makes them want to sell. It's they want more time with their family, or there's another opportunity that they want to pursue, or they're burnt out because they've been doing this for 10 years and and, and they don't want to wake up to the same business uh, over and over again. At some point, you're going to take a look at, at your business and say, um, if I held on to this for five years, I'd probably make more money. But I'm willing to sell it for less than that to exchange for something else, uh, something else in life. And so I, I, what I would tell people is if you're looking to sell it just for the financial gain, don't do it. Uh, it doesn't make sense. In fact, before you even make that step, uh, try to see if you can automate the, the business in a way where, where you don't have to be as involved. It's a wonderful thing about Internet-based businesses. You can automate and create a lifestyle business with, with what you have so easily that it's it's worth exploring that option. Now, if you explore those options and then you, you take a look at the, the whole uh, gamut of, uh, of options, uh, you might still come to the conclusion, and a lot of people do, that it's just it's just time to move on. I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick story of a woman that I worked with uh, last fall, and she brought her business to me. It was a great business. It was throwing off a ton of cash per year, around uh, $400,000 per year in bottom line earnings. She didn't have to do that much. She woke up, ran the business for one to two hours a day uh, from her home, uh, and there was no reason to believe that this business was going to go down. It was a great business. And uh, she wanted to sell it. And I told her, you know, don't, I wouldn't sell this if I were you. This is, it's not often that somebody stumbles into a business like this. But for her, it was really important to, to get out of it because she couldn't detach herself from the business. She couldn't enjoy her life because she, was, she worked so hard to build it up where it was that she continued to obsess about it. And she knew that she needed to separate herself from that and then start on a different project with a clean slate. And for her, that was the primary driving factor behind selling the business. And I'm still in contact with her today. She's she's very happy about uh, her decision to sell um, and, and did quite well in that sale. But again, the decision wasn't financially motivated. She she got a good chunk of cash from, from the sale, but she would make more money probably over the long term if she just held on to the site. So it's she probably... So the as you say, the driver for her wasn't necessarily you know I want to do a big cash out. She's probably just tired of it. I mean, so I mean as you know all too well because you did it yourself. We some if I was to add up the freaking hours that I worked in the first ten years of my business, it's more than the previous twenty five years of my career. I mean, is that like a driving thing where people just kind of burn out and want a different lifestyle? Or exactly. I mean, that, that's I would say that's the number one reason people sell is that they're burnt out and they don't want to. They don't want to wake up to the business every day. Um, I, I just uh, worked with another person. He owned his business for 19 years. And I was looking at the business, and we went over the, what are the opportunities for growth of this business. And we identified just a bunch of low-hanging fruit. And so I asked him, well, why, why haven't you done these things? And he said, I just don't want to. <laughs> and it sounds so yeah. silly, right? I mean, because you think, well, there's low-hanging fruit. You can you can get more money from this. But I think anyone who's lived the entrepreneurial life for a while knows that at a certain point you do get burnt out. And there's just, you know, we do this not just for money. We do it for for uh, the adventure, for, for the uh, excitement of the lifestyle. We do it for the lifestyle as well so that we can 
uh, you know, take our families on vacation or, or, or maybe not work as much or, or have the, the um, uh, wonderful feeling of being your own boss. So there's all sorts of other reasons besides the money why we do this. Well, when those reasons start to fall away, um, then selling becomes more more of a uh, an idea. Exiting the company becomes more of a, an idea. And, and uh, you know, for, for the woman that I worked with uh, back in the fall, she's already in a new project, and she's she's pouring hours of her time into it, and she's having fun again, right? <laughs> I think for entrepreneurs, we're kind of silly that way. That that you know, once we get something good, we're like, well, I want to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I've always maintained entrepreneurs love to create, but then they build a business that they hate to run. You know, it's all about Absolutely. it's all about creating. Absolutely, Man, so and we see huge yeah, we see a huge synergy between buyers and sellers in that way, right? Where a seller will bring a business to a certain uh, point, and they don't want to bring it to the next level, but buyers will come in and uh, they they might like to fix things up and bring it to the next level. Uh, and so you see a, a really nice synergy between buyers and sellers uh, in, in that regard. So, Mark, do people um, – well, I guess it has to be equal equal amounts because you wouldn't have a business otherwise. But an uh, equal number of people approach you, say, hey, I'd like to buy an online business. That's your specialty. What do you know? And then people probably come and say, I'd like to sell an online business. That's your specialty. How can you help me? I mean, is it equal parts that? I mean, it seems unobvious. No. Not what I asked it, but no. no yeah, uh, far more. I mean, there's there's far more buyers than there are sellers. Um, far, far oh. more. Probably probably about a hundred to one um, uh, from what we've seen. So when, when we put a, a business up for sale, we'll get upwards of around a hundred uh, inquiries on that business. Um, and I was just telling somebody else as far as our numbers internally, it's it's about a hundred to one buyer to, to seller ratio. Uh, it's hard to find a good quality online business to buy, and there's a lot of people looking to invest in these businesses. Um, uh, so, yeah, def- definitely a seller's market in that regard. Who is who is the typical buyer? Is it somebody who doesn't want to go through the the pain of starting and going through, you know, I went through my first year, I call it revenue free. Is it somebody who just doesn't want to do that <laughs> legwork or <are> they <laughs> are they adding to their portfolio? Like who's a who's a typical buyer of an online business if you don't mind my asking? No, I don't mind at all. Uh, it, uh, yes and yes to, to uh, your examples. Uh, it, it varies. Uh, you'll get individual investors. You have people who are working a day job who decide that they want the, the luxury of working from home. Uh, you have small uh, investment groups uh, or people who have a small portfolio of, uh, of businesses. You know, I, I own more than one business myself. Um, and then uh, you'll get up into the private equity as well, um, where uh, they're, they're rolling up uh, businesses uh, as well. So the, the, it really does vary as far as the type of buyer. I would say that when you get to certain dollar amounts for the exit, you see different types of buyers. Uh, once you get in the million-dollar-plus range, you start sniffing more into the private equity territory. Um, and below the million-dollar uh, level, it's a lot more individual investors. Um but but it does it does vary across that spectrum uh, of highly professional investor to somebody who's worked twenty years in sales and wants to work from home now. I imagine I imagine a lot of folks um, probably try and sell it themselves and stumble and fall, and then they come see somebody like you or um, yeah. I, I when when um, 
I was trying to sell my first boat last fall. I said, well, hell, I'm not going to pay 10%. I'll sell it myself. Well, I ultimately signed with a broker, and he sold my boat, you know, um, because it's just – it's what he does. He's, it's easier and things like that. Is that is similar? Do you, work, do you get a lot of clients who ultimately try and start themselves or, or – I think most of our clients actually do talk to us first. I think uh, they 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 come to us they, they come to us thinking that um, we have access to buyers, and so that's where our value is. Um, uh, but what I would say is a little bit different. And we do have clients that that do like you said. You know, they might try selling on their own, and they don't have much luck um, with that. And then they eventually come to us. Uh, what I've found though with people who are selling uh, their business. Finding people who want to buy your business isn't terribly difficult to do. Um, you can list your site for sale on Business by Sell, and you're going to get lots of inquiries just from that alone. Uh, like I said, there's, there's far more buyers than there are sellers. Buyers are, are deal-hungry, so they'll find you. Knowing what to show buyers and knowing the process and knowing what drives buyers and knowing what motivates people to buy, that's where hopefully the value of a broker like, like ourselves um, uh, comes into play, and hopefully we're giving you uh, more value than you're, you're going to get uh, if you try and sell a business on uh, on its own. What I have found from those uh, people who try to sell the business on their own and then eventually come to us, you know, they send over the information that they're sending to buyers. And when I see that, uh, I immediately think, I, I know why you're not selling your business, uh, you know, based off the information that you're presenting to me. And then we, we do the work necessary to get the business prepared uh, to present to buyers. Mm. Meet, what do you mean? People are showing too much, or, or it's just not prepared properly, or just showing the wrong information, um, showing the wrong information. So, I, it, what, what people often focus on, what entrepreneurs often focus on, is we focus on uh, all the things that make that business great for us, right? So, I'll often hear from uh, an entrepreneur about the the great deal that they struck with a vendor, or the great automation system that they built on the back end, which relieved a, a point of stress for themselves. And this becomes the value that they've built into the business for themselves. And that's perfectly valid and fair. But when you're selling a business, you, you're selling to a buyer, and their motivation in buying is going to be different than, than your motivation in owning a business. But their motivation is ROI. And, and so um, when I speak at conferences, I speak a lot about, you know, how do you present your business for sale? If you're not going to use someone like myself, how do you go about doing this? And the first thing I, I try and drill into people is buyers buy for one reason only, return on investment. And this is the case for anything that you ever buy. You're looking for a return in some sort. If you if you go to a nice restaurant, you're looking for a return in the in the form of a delicious meal, right? So you're always buying for a return on investment. Buyers buy businesses because they want the return that that can provide. That's going to be first financial and then second lifestyle. And so when you start to think about your business in that that sense, the information you need to present starts to kind of bubble up to the top. Uh, and when we prepare a business for sale, somebody's business for sale, we approach it from that same standpoint. We know what buyers are looking for, and so sales 101, once you know what your audience wants and what your, your buyers are looking for, start to present the information uh, and the benefits uh, to, to what their wants are first. Hmm. Very interesting. Man, I... I'm sure my audience is going, geez, Jim, answer, ask a question for me. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I did that because I was thoroughly interested in this topic. Um, how can people learn more about you and uh, and connect with you if if they're uh, so inclined? Sure, I I welcome any conversations with with anybody, even if they're not looking to sell their business right now, don't know if they want to sell. 
just want to talk shop. Um, myself and my entire team were all entrepreneurs. Uh, interesting fact, everyone that works with Fight Life Brokerage, with the exception of one guy, that uh, was a client first. Uh, and so um, we're all uh, entrepreneurs first and foremost. They can reach our, uh, go to our website, which is quietlightbrokerage.com, uh, and contact us through there and talk to any one of us. And again, um, uh, we just like to have conversations with people. So if somebody is just interested in learning more, see what the value of the business is today, see what the process would look like, um, just encourage you guys to, to reach out and, and talk to us. We, we love having conversations. Awesome. Well, fascinating topic. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad this interview came across across my desk, and um, I I'm, I'm, think you and I will probably have another conversation sometime. Thanks so much, Mark, for being on my program. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Hey, folks, that wraps up this special episode of Stick Light Glue Radio. Thanks again to Dream Business Academy for sponsoring the show. Again, you can get $100 off your early registration um, uh, fee at using the coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Just go to dreambizacademy, dreambizacademy.com for all the details. Uh, thank you to my editor's assistants and all my dream team members who make what I do so darn easy make me look good. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I am committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. See you next week for another great show. Take care, everybody. 